Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. This is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on X at Jason underscore OTC, uh, or you can email me, Jason at OverTheCap.com. I'm joined once again by Nellie the Bunny. Uh, Nellie's got that treat going, so uh, she'll be good for probably about five or ten minutes, and then, I don't know, start hopping around and looking for something else. Um, this one is going to be a little bit of a challenge tonight, I think. We're going to see how the uh, the voice holds up. I'm just uh, not really sick, but just uh, very hoarse. Um, it's been like this for a little while. Just I don't know. I think it's the change in weather. Uh, just kind of wiped me out a little bit here. Um, feel good. I feel fine. But uh, it makes it tough to talk every now and then. So no beer of the night tonight because I figured that would probably uh, definitely wipe me out. So uh, we'll be sticking with water something like that Uh during the course of the evening, um, we'll see what we can get through and uh, see how my voice holds up. Still haven't fixed the microphone issues. I just didn't get around to it this week, so uh, still trying the same thing. We're going to try it with video on here too, um, so we'll see how this one holds up. And I think next week I should have the regular audio system uh, kind of back in place. Um, so I think tonight, mainly what I just really wanted to do was do a whole thing on Russell Wilson's contract. Um, you know, Denver is obviously struggling this year and it, it does kind of have that feel right now, um, that Wilson fairly or unfairly is probably going to get almost all the blame, uh, for what's going on in Denver. Uh, you do kind of get that feeling like the coach is already out on him, that there's a disconnect there. Um, now I haven't watched him that much. Uh, you know, there's people that would say differently. Nick, I think believes differently on that one. It certainly has said, you know, let the let more games play out with Wilson before you you know start to jump to conclusions on stuff. Um, you know, but having watched them now the the last two weeks, uh, you know, the game against the Jets, and then just now against the Chiefs, um, it, Peyton's reactions at times to Wilson remind me a little bit of Bill Parcells, twenty five, thirty years. You know, going way back, but when. Uh, Parcells took over the Jets, and Neil O'Donnell was the head, uh, the quarterback on the team, and Parcells had no real desire to have him as his quarterback. And you almost felt like there were times when he was doing stuff that maybe wasn't in the best short-term interest of the Jets um, for that particular season, but was more along the lines of like, I just want to speed up this divorce from, uh, you know, from him. I don't want that to be a thing to where next year we, we have to deal with, you know, is he our quarterback or is he not our quarterback? I'd rather go out there with Glenn Foley or, you know, be able to sign my Vinny Testaverde or whoever it might be. Um, I kind of get that same feeling right now. Like he's not all in on Wilson. Like he thought that he could do something with him and it's just not there. So I, I think at this point, you know, you, you're, if you're Denver, you have to seriously begin to discuss exit strategies from this contract. And, you know, it, it's not an easy one, but, you know, there, there's always options in most NFL contracts. I mean, with the exception of first-round draft picks where the entire contract is guaranteed and the Deshaun Watson contract where, you know, the full deal is guaranteed, there's always wiggle room in contracts. And I think that... Um, one of the negatives with, you know, even just the, the websites like, you know, mine here uh, with OTC, you, you get caught up sometimes in these numbers on a chart. And I've seen this a lot, you know, this this week. Um, 
where you hear this like okay his cap number next year is 35.4 million his dead money is 85 million broncos are stuck and you know that's about as deep as the analysis goes you know well there's 85 million 85 million dead they're stuck and you know then you'll get to the next year and that well there's this much dead that year you know what they're they're stuck really that they're out year in this is 2026 like that's that's when it starts to become reasonable to get out from the contract and you know you you have to kind of get into the different options that you have with deals uh different options that you have um with the way that you can move money around within the nfl rules uh different ways that you can modify contracts and you got to take all of that into account and then you can kind of try to map out strategies for um, what you can do with your cap management of a contract that's just gone totally sideways, um, you know, for whatever reasons um, that you want to look at it. So let, let's just take a look here. Um, I just pulled these up in Excel so we can run through a couple different things. So we'll run them through here. So this is the, the base look at... Um, Wilson's contract here. So we've got 2023. Um, there's no point in really changing that. Some have there. Um, there's no real point in changing the the 2023 one. Um, you know, I think uh, there's no one they're going to trade him to this year. I would imagine that that's a really out there possibility. And you know, I, I just I can't picture somebody doing it. Um, but before we get into it, the, the things that you have to understand with his contract are the dates that are involved and what that does with the dead money in the contract. And we'll walk through these here. So fifth day of the league year in 2024, he'll have his entire 2025 salary guaranteed. So at the moment, his 2023 base is guaranteed. He already got paid this bonus <coughs> uh, in 2024. He has $39 million that's guaranteed this year. It's a $17 million paragraph five salary. It's base salary for the year 17. Uh, he has an option bonus that's guaranteed at 22 million. Um, you know, that could be paid out all his base salary. It doesn't have to be paid as an option. Uh, it's just for salary cap purposes. It's usually a little bit better <coughs> for the team to pick up the option versus, you know, not doing that. Uh, but if he's on that roster on the fifth day of the league year next year, um, so March 19th, maybe I, I forget what the first day of the league year is next year, but you know, it's going to be right around March 17th, March 19th, something like that. Um, this number here that's in yellow, which I kind of used to mean a partial guarantee or an, I'm sorry, an injury guarantee <coughs> in this case, um, this number here will become fully guaranteed. So if you're keeping him on the roster in 2024, you're really opting in to put him on the roster in 2025 as well, because now you're opting into this salary of $37 million, which doesn't really make much sense, um, but we'll take a look at that in a minute. Uh, on the fifth day of the league year in 2025, uh, he'll have $4 million of his 2026 salary fully guaranteed. So right now in this uh, 40 million that's yellow, $4 million is currently injury protected. That'll become fully guaranteed in 2026. Uh, he'll also earn an additional $5 million of injury protection in 2026. 
Um, so that, that'll be protected too. If he happens to be on the roster fifth day of 2026, then his entire 2026 salary is fully guaranteed. Um, so, you know, the, you run some risks there. But the, the big one is this, this fifth day of the league year in 2024, uh, which causes the 2025 salary to become fully guaranteed. So if you're watching along here, I'll just highlight that one. Let me just highlight that. Whoops. I'll just hide that, highlight that in blue. So, you know, what this tells me is I need to make certain that I could cut him by the fifth day of the league year in 2024. Um, just so you're aware, that that's also, I believe, the final day that they can exercise the option. I think the option window for them is the first day through the fifth day um, of the league year. And again, that, that's just an accounting thing because that money at the moment is guaranteed uh, in 2024. But here's the issue for them. And this is the issue that he has to understand as well. And something that I would imagine the Broncos are going to bring up to him if they aren't already, it'll certainly be at their bye week, which I think is two games from now. I think it's their bye. Um, <clears throat> right now, if Wilson was to sustain any kind of significant injury, um, you know, an Achilles tear, ACL, um, anything that, that has months and months and months of rehab, um, that basically would block the Denver Broncos from being able to release him uh, to avoid that guarantee kicking in because you know in that case what happens is you're, you're really cutting the player um, when he's hurt so at that point in time the injury guarantee on the contract typically kicks in and you you can't avoid that um, you know that that vesting date by cutting the injured player so with that kind of looming over you, you have to have that consideration like, okay, we're not going to play him because he may earn a guarantee that we just don't even want him to earn. And this has happened before. You know, some people want to say that this is like a, you know, this is something that's never occurred before, but it has. Um, RG3, Robert Griffin, uh, they had opted into his fifth year. And Washington was petrified that if they put him on the field, he'd get hurt and they'd owe him $20 million or whatever the salary was. And they didn't just not play him. They didn't even practice him. <clears throat> they put him on like the, uh, the practice team, basically. He was basically scout team playing safety and stuff like that. Uh, Colin Kaepernick got benched initially because of his contract. His contract had millions upon millions upon millions of injury protection, but nothing that was really fully guaranteed. So they benched him. Uh, you know, it was wrapped up as saying, well, you know, the other guy's playing okay and, you know, performance-related stuff. And, you know, they just benched him because they were afraid of the contract. And, um, you know, what ended up happening in all of these situations, or not in all of them, but in Kaepernick's situation is... You go to the player, and at some point, you're just like, look, you know, here's your option. Your option is to sit on the bench, collect your paycheck, and then we're going to cut you when it's reasonable for us to cut you, all right, to avoid that future guarantee from kicking in. And, you know, you can, you can collect the check. It's a retirement check. You know, is this, this the way you want to end your career? Or 
you know, you can waive your guarantees that you have in the future and we'll put you back on the field tomorrow as the starting quarterback. And that's exactly what happened with Kaepernick. Um, that's also sort of what happened with Tyrod Taylor. He was another player where they did not like the, the structure of an extension. Um, so they ended up redoing his contract to where they got rid of any of those future guarantees from kicking in, and he was able to, to keep his job for one more season as the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, from a realistic standpoint, Denver at some point, probably pretty soon, has to have this discussion with him that basically says this $37 million yellow that you see here has to go away. Like, it, it can't stay there if you want to have an opportunity to play. It can't stay there even if you're willing to waive a no-trade clause and say, we'll trade you to another team. Because they're not going to want to pick up that salary. At least I don't think they would. And we'll talk about that option in a minute, too. Um, you know, the $40 million, that, that that's not injury protected. That's just a $4 million number, which is a lot, obviously. Um, but that, that's all the kind of stuff that you have to do that you have to, to wave away. So the negatives here when, when you start talking about, well, let's not get rid of him in 2025. You know, let's not terminate the contract. Why? Well, because this $85 million cap number is really scary. All right. It's just too much for us. But look at your options. If you cut him in 2024, you're going to spend $85 million, all right, on your cap. Now, you might get a, a credit if he signs with another team, which is a possibility. Uh, you get an offset on it on the salary that you pay him. Um, so depending on what that is, you might get a, a little bit off, but um, I don't think that would be too much. <clears throat> uh, you know, you're talking about $85 million. The next three years, you know, just as a, a reference, I'm going to guess that the cap would be somewhere in this. You got the new TV deal, and I still think the cap is artificially deflated because of COVID. Um, so you basically spend about, you know, your next three years, 10% of that overall cap that you have um, would just be spent on dead money for Wilson. Not a good number. Obviously, that's not, but right, it's sunk cost. What if we don't cut him in 2024 because of this $85 million? Well, now we got to go all the way to 2025 where we let his salary vest. So he's got the $37 million in there that's guaranteed, right? So if we do that, now our total cap that's spent is $122 million. That's 14.6% of our salary cap just so we could avoid the initial $85 million dead money charge. And what if, well, that number was too high in 2025. It was too high in 24. It's obviously too high in 25. So now we got to go all the way to 26. So he plays for the team in 24. He plays for the team in 25. He's still got a $4 million full guarantee at that point. Um, so, you know, now, now we're going to cut him and we're spending 15% of the, the cap over a course of three years on the one player. So you end up in a better position overall, even if the pain is a little bit more short-term, if you release him in 2024. Um, the dead money, and that, that's the other thing when people look at these numbers and you go, well, you know, it makes more sense to release him in 2025 because, you know, on OTC it says it's 49.6 million dead. Yeah, it, that number is there as a snapshot in time. That number isn't accurate for 
what happens when that salary guarantee kicks in. When that salary guarantee kicks in, his dead money goes from that number that you see there to 86.6 million. So by opting into 2025, we're making the dead money situation the next year worse. So keeping him beyond this season, unless you, you're really truly committed to him and you, you think that there there's a change that can occur, um, you know, you, you just, you have to cut him and take the 85 million. It's just in the best interest of the team, you know, just to... to plan it out that way and then figure out how we're going to count for it on the cap um, in one season, two seasons, however you spread it all out. So, you know, I, I just broke down a couple of different ways that they can approach this. And sometimes deals that have option bonuses in them can be a little bit more complicated. And I'm not 100% sure, to be honest, um, how some of that stuff works. Um, <clears throat> I believe... Even if you exercise the option, I think, uh, that you're still allowed to designate a player a June 1 cut. Um, <clears throat> if I'm wrong about that, you would what you would do is you, you would get down to um, a different approach, which I'll talk about here, which is prepaying uh, the year before. Um, but, you know, the ways that you can do this to, to kind of minimize the cap hit all right, so let's say you kept the contract as is. You exercise the option. You're still allowed to do the June 1. You'd have dead money next year of $35.4 million, which is the exact number of his current salary cap figure. And then in 2025, you would have $49.6 million in dead money, uh, which would be a savings of... Let me just see. Not a lot, but it would be a little bit of savings. The savings of $5.8 million on your um, where his current 2025 salary cap is right now. So even though those numbers look giant, your team is not impacted at all in 2024. You're still in the same cap position you were before. You're in a slightly better salary cap position in 2025. And then he's completely off the books in 2026. And for a team like Denver, which is going to go into a rebuilding phase here, I think, and probably have a young quarterback on the team in 24, um, you know, even though we're talking about a, a $49.6 million in dead money that year, and you go, ah, oh, that's so, so high, your, your cost, if you have a rookie quarterback, even if the player's in his second year, um, your total spend on that position is still low, right? 2024 number, you've got him on his rookie salary and 35-4 for Wilson. 49-6 plus a rookie salary. That's still not bad. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Because remember, our cap numbers for a lot of our players are creeping up higher and higher and higher. So your spend on that position, since you're going in there with a rookie quarterback, um, you know, kind of offsets the, the impact of this contract. And then you get to 2026, and now you're ready to roll, you know, because you've got Wilson completely off the books. You've still got your quarterback on a young, uh, you know, a low-money contract. And that gives you two years you can probably work with to try to maximize your potential if you're Denver. Um, you know, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, would you, you want to have a longer window of cap flexibility with the young players? Sure. But you're not in that position. So you want to look back at teams like Dallas who got out of cap troubles 
in large part because they had Dak Prescott, which allowed them to cut Tony Romo. Um, you know, you, you look at examples like that, and you see the way that teams have utilized some of those rookie contracts to, to combat salary cap problems. Now, if you renounce the option, here you can just kind of go scorched earth in 2024. So in 2024, you can increase his cap number to 53 million, all right, which would be a loss in this case of $17.6 million in cap room. All right. Um, just got to take all your lumps next year. You know, and that, that's the way a lot of teams operate in the NFL, right? You just take a year and you say, every veteran on our team is gone. Now, Denver does not have a great cap position next year. Um, right now, I have them at about $25 million over. That's better than where they were a little bit ago because they, they've started to move a couple players off the team. Um, so it's a little bit of a better spot. And obviously, they, they can move some numbers around. I'm sure that you know if you're willing to take that kind of season, you, know, you can do that. And then in 2025, under that scenario, you only have to account for $32 million in dead money. So now, where we've completely taken our lumps in 24, we're in a, a better position <coughs> in 2025, if you want to look at it that way, um, you know, to, to be able to uh, surround a young quarterback with some free agents, you know, and some talented players. Um, what if we wanted to use our cap space in 2023? You could do that as well. Um, here, what you would do is you'd prepay a portion of his salary. In this case, I was saying you would just take the option bonus and pay it at the end of 2023. Um, I'm assuming in that kind of scenario, that, that would be if you're not allowed to use the post-June 1 after you exercise an option. Um, the way the post-June 1 designation works is if you renegotiate a player contract um, after the end of the regular season, you're, you're not allowed to use the post-June 1 designation. You'd actually have to carry the player till June which you can't do if Wilson keeps insists on keeping this uh, vesting guarantee for 2025. So um, in that case, you, you would they, they have the right to, to convert whatever they need to a signing bonus. They don't have to ask him for that. You would do that at the end of the year. <clears throat> you would convert that salary. So you'd lose $4.4 in cap space. That's okay. They have the room to do that right now. I have them with... Uh, about $9 million in cap room might be a little bit higher than that. Um, so they, they, they'd be able to take $4.4 million that normally they'd just be carrying over anyway. You just, you know, take it as a hit this year. That'd leave you 35.4 dead next year on the cap, and you'd have 45 two in 2025. So slightly, slightly different than the keeping as is option. Um, your other option is you could prepay most of his salary. In um, 2024, um, I have a little computer malfunction here. Let's see if I can fix this. Uh, you can keep most of his salary there. Pop off for a second. Let me just see if I can fix this. Let's see. Let's see if that worked. Let's see. All right, I think that worked. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, you can, you know, it's a slightly different way to, to take those charges. Um, you know, it's kind of an in-between, you know, at that point. 
uh, prepaying most in 2023. This is where we just say, all right, you know what? Of this $39 million we owe him, we're going to basically pay him, you know, $35 million of it right now. Um, you know, we'll take a $7 million cap charge in um, 2023. So we're going to lose $7 million of carryover. Uh, we'll take 25 dead in 2024. So our net change is going to be $32 million in 2024. Uh, so slightly better than the other ones. And we're going to defer a little bit more to 2025 <clears throat> when we expect the salary cap to be higher and our dead money at that point in time would be $53 million, um, you know, is what, what we would uh, owe on the cap. So in, in every scenario, if I did these right, I probably should have checked them. It should add up to 85. Let's see. Let's see if I screwed anything up. 85, 85, 85, 85. There you go. Look at that. Um, so, you know, those those are your legitimate options. And, you know, the salary cap numbers of 35.4 million and even 50 million, it's not awful. 35, 4, and 45, 2, 25, and 53. I mean, the, these are workable. They're, they're not so much that you, you just can't do them at all, especially when, when you realize his cap number next year is 35.4 anyway, and then the following year it would be almost $56 million. So you're going to spend $56 million in cap space in 2025 on him, even if he's on the team. So it doesn't really make a difference. Um, you know, when you're just looking looking at these just from a positional standpoint. Now, your other things are what are different ways that you can modify this deal? So, you know, the, these are some pretty basic things, um, you know, that you, that you could do here. So the first thing that I really wanted to do was you need to paint a picture to him when you're when you're going to go to someone and you're going to modify a contract. And, you know, they, they did that with, uh, I think, Frank Clark um, this week where they got him to basically take a, a pay cut to probably ensure his release. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that signing was a signing that made no sense for them at all. But, you know, whatever is what it is. Uh, but the thing you want to look at is the market for players. Now, Wilson at this point in time, you know, the, the let Russ cook narrative, all that stuff is gone, right? The the talks that we had where you, you're talking about Seattle doing him wrong, I think everybody owes the people in Seattle probably an apology uh, for maybe some of the stuff. You know, they, they see very close how things go. And maybe they knew Russ cooking was not a real thing. Um, and certainly he was at a point where maybe he, he was going to start to break down. And, you know, you look at Wilson's numbers here. I'll just pull them up from Pro Football Reference. You know, you got a terrific career. All right, you got all these, if you're looking at the screen here, you got all these Pro Bowls. Um, you know, but Wilson is 35 years old right now. And he looks like an old 35. And, you know, that, that's I always would say that the, the age that quarterbacks break down traditionally is this 33, 34, 35. That's when you really start to see a lot of changes. And, you know, we, we get, um, I think we get caught up in the Tom Brady's of the world and you just expect those players to, everyone to fit the mold of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and, um, you know, going back a generation of Brett Favre. And it's like, that's that's a rarity. Most guys, you, you see them in their mid-30s, the arm starts to go, the athleticism starts to go, um, you start to get nicked up, banged up a little bit more, 
And you, know, you, you look at Wilson's numbers here, his team record, 6-8, and 4-11, and 1-5. Um, you know, just e- even if we're looking at a, on a yards per game basis, um, you know, in 2015 he was at 251, 263, 250. Uh, drops down to 215, back up to 257, 263, 223, 234, 217. You know, that, that, that's a bit of an alarming trend. you got multiple coaches. You know, you, you can blame whatever you want on the coach the year before. It's a new coach this year. And, you know, he's playing better than he played last year, I think, at least the, the little bits that I've seen. Not Maybe not counting the Chiefs game. <coughs> but he's still not a really high level quarterback not a viable um quarterback i think that you would you would look at and say yeah you know he's he's the he's the missing piece i don't think you would see that anymore uh, say that anymore about him and you're gonna have some kind of concerns and this year we did see um you know a little bit of a mid-tier market that began to develop and you saw Derek Carr. So Derek Carr will make $30 million in the first year of his contract, $60 million by the end of year two. Those are fully guaranteed. Uh, $100 million by the end of year three. That's an injury guaranteed, that $100 million. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 24-2-5, 48.5, and then 72.75. Geno Smith, incentive-laden deal, uh, 27.5, then $50 million, and then $75 million over three. Garoppolo and Smith just got their first year guaranteed, <clears throat> I believe, on them, 27-5 and 24-2-5. Um, they got injury protection on the second years of their deal, so about $50 million. Uh, Garoppolo's has some per-game stuff in there, so it's a little bit less, but, you know, we'll just consider it in there as, you know, salary that they're hoping to, to kind of pay him out. So the average player in this mid-tier market is $27.25 million in year one salary, about 53 million through two years, 82 million, 83 million uh, through three. And you can argue like he belongs closer to Garoppolo and Geno Smith than Derek Carr, that Derek Carr contract was a mistake. Um, Saints are regretting it and everything else. Um, you know, the Carr and Garoppolo contracts probably work against Wilson um, in this case, but. You know, you, you look at Wilson's salary at the moment, you know, on his current contract, if you were to trade into it, um, $39 million. So that's about $12 million over market. $76 million through two. That's about 23 over the market. And then 116 through three, and that's 33 over the market. And again, this is why this is untradeable, because if you trade it, you're opting into the guarantee in 2024 and 2025. So you've got 76 guaranteed in a market where only Derek Carr got a, a guarantee in that year two of 60. Um, you know, so you might be able to argue that you can guarantee 39 and you can injury protect with a, a normal vesting date, um, you know, the next year, even the next two years, but not just guaranteed at signing. There, there's no team that would take that deal. Um, you know, and that, again, that's something that if, if he's unhappy in Denver, you know, that, that's something that you, you know, you bring up to him and you got to understand, you know, well, what do you want to do? You know, do, do you want to end your career just sitting here on the bench on a, a one-win team and maybe have that being the end of your career, limp into free agency next year, <clears throat> you know, or 
how, whenever, um, you know, and, and just end up in a bad position. You know, and the other thing, too, when it comes to free agency and, you know, you might be willing to, to do something in free agency, um, you look at next year and not that there's ever a great group of players, but Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent next year. Um, Kirk Cousins is same age, basically. He's a little bit older, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, be 36 next year. He's 36 this year, um, but is playing at a higher level than Wilson is. So I think teams would jump on Cousins before they would jump at Wilson. Um, you know, I think Tannehill would probably be behind Wilson, but I'm not even sure on that. So it's not like you're even guaranteed of being the top free agent available. You're going to have the stink of being cut, the stink of being benched. And on top of that, you know, if you're not willing to waive anything in your contract, you know, with the offsets that are in there, if the Denver Broncos are paying you $39 million, what do you think another team is going to offer you? So you're going to have, yeah, it, it's the same thing. You know, you, you're going to earn, you know, $1.2 million from some team, you know, but do you want to be on a contract that says Russell Wilson average per year $1.21 million? I don't think you'd want that. I, I think that would actually be kind of embarrassing. You know, but if you if you waive that guarantee, you know, it, it's, you know, things get a little different. You know, the injury thing, then at least it leaves you maybe some options, um, you know, to move the contract or to, to work with Denver if, <clears throat> you know, if I'm completely wrong about the way the coach thinks on it, um, you know, about things you can do. So, you know, here are some options. So if you wanted to bring the contract to reasonable numbers, I think you'd have to eat 25 million bucks. Um, you know, that's a lot. And if you did that, you know, so I have a column listed here. I just changed option bonus to renegotiation bonus. Um, so you would have to take a dead money charge if you're the Broncos of $71 million next year. A uh, team that acquires him would take on $14 million, then 37 then 40 45 and 50 But... You know, you wouldn't have any of that stuff, you know, guaranteed really at signing. So, you know, you, you would, or I'm sorry, you, you would get that 2025 guarantee um, that's in there. So, uh, because you'd be keeping the contract as is. I forgot about that part. Um, you know, so they, they'd be on the hook for $51 million. I think teams would look at that and say, okay, that's in line with Garoppolo. That's in line with Geno Smith. We can give it a shot for two years. If you, you know, you find a team that's desperate enough, you know, to take one shot, um, with Wilson and, you know, use that cap space uh, for two seasons. The $71 million dead money, I think, would be too high, in my opinion, um, for them. You know, the, the other thing that you can do to approach that, just from a different perspective, is say, you know, the contract is $25 million too high. If you're going to take on that extra $25 million for us, what do we have to give you? Now, when you, you could come up with different things, you know, one of the things that I mentioned on Twitter was, you know, would certain, could you, could you do a trade with him involved? You know, you put him in there in a package with Wilson and maybe you get a, a lower pick back than you would normally get for, you know, a good corner, a decent corner, you know, and it, cause I, I don't know what his market value would be. Um, 
You know, or is this one of those things like a Brock Osweiler thing? You know, 25 million, that's worth a second round pick. We'll give you a second rounder, you give us a seven, and we'll give you Wilson. You know, maybe. You know, you take a, a bad team that's got a lot of cap space. Um, you know, maybe they're willing to do something like that. I don't know. Um, another option, you can modify contract to market. This would be a scenario where you keep them on the team. Um, $39 million, fully guaranteed. Guaranteed $12 million for injury. Um, so in this case, you'd be modifying his deal. You'd pay him $25 million base salary next year. Um you know, that, that'd be guaranteed. You'd have a $27 million base salary in 2025. Uh, you'd have um, 12 million of that would be uh, full, I think. Would that get him? At four, I'm sorry, 14, I guess, would be full. Um, I think I have my numbers wrong here. Let me just see what I did, because you owe him 39. So it'd be 14. I don't know why I have a 12 million injury. Probably should have been 13 injury. Um, anyway, well, whatever. It's something similar to that. All right, you, you're basically going to give him an option to where he could earn. He'll definitely earn 39, and could earn a little more. So, you know, his salary cap number. You know, if you don't pay any of it as a bonus, would be 39 million and 41 million in 24 and 25. Um, dead money would be 44 million in 2025. You know, and you'd be you definitely am on the roster in 2024. Uh, you might even have him on the roster in 2025, and your dead money in 2026 would be 18 million at that point. Um, so you know that that's one of those things where you're opting into him, but you're opting into him at a more reasonable level. And again, because he knows this is what the market is, this is probably a better deal than he would find anywhere else, and he still keeps his 39 million, um, you know, but with a contract like this. Uh, what if you reduce the contract length? So here's another option that gives him free agency in 2025 if he's willing to waive his option, uh, waive that guarantee. So he keep his contract as is. So he's got the $35.4 million cap hit. But what you're going to do here is you're going to take a page out of the Eagles book. Um, you're going to put in a base salary at the minimum of 2025 at $1.25 million. Um, then a couple years down the line in the contract, I did in 2028, I threw in a dummy salary of $200 million. And the way this would work is if he's on the roster, you know, second day of the 2025 league year, $200 million becomes guaranteed. So it's just there to ensure that the, the player is cut. So what that allows you to do is have Wilson as your potential starter next year. Um, you know, probably either in front of, either in front of a rookie or behind a rookie at some point in time, um, he would still earn his same $39 million, uh, but you'd be able to account for it now. Um, $39 million, I'm sorry, uh, 35.4 on the salary cap. And then in 2025, you June won him, you only have an $18.4 million cap hit in 2025 and a $31.2 million cap hit in 2026. So that would be a different way that you can kind of restructure, um, you know, all that money. And, you know, it, yeah, it adds up to $85 million. So it lets you take that $85 million dead and now spread it over three years, um, you know, just by being creative with him and with the contract and, 
you know, giving him a chance at least to, to hold a job and, <clears throat> you know, be completely free and clear in 2025 if he wants to keep playing to have an opportunity to go somewhere else. Um, you know, another option would be if you can get a team to trade for him, you know, th this would be the Aaron Rodgers type of contract restructure. This is where you just say, new team deals with the contract. So you put a huge salary in 2025. I put in a $76 million salary. Um, you know, about 37 and change of that would be fully guaranteed. You'd have a minimum salary in 2024 of $1.2 million. Um, <clears throat> you know, that'd be fully guaranteed. You would trade them over and you'd, you'd have to take on $46 million in dead money, um, which would not be horrendous, um, you know, by any stretch. Uh, you would you know, take down a lot of cap room at first from where you're at, so you'd be you'd be able to handle it, you know, with your cap. Um, you know, the team that acquires him would only need 1.2 million in cap space at the time of trade, and then they would go in there, even though it's got a 76 million dollar cap hit in 2025, they would go in there and you would modify that contract as you see fit <clears throat> to spread that 39 million dollars and whatever else you're going to pay him. Um, you know, around over the next two or three years. So, you know, the, these are just some different ways that you can deal with a contract like this and, you know, they, that you can kind of move off of the player. And there's ways that it could be harsh and there's ways that, you know, you could probably get something that's a little bit more of an amicable split uh, between the two sides. But I, I think the number one issue is... You've got to get the player to waive that injury guarantee that's going to vest uh, this March. It's like if that doesn't go away, um, then you know you, you're you're just in a really hard, really tough position. Now I don't think I, I didn't put it in here. You could try to do the same trick um, and give him free agency next year. But given that you owe him 39 and that's full, I don't think that there would be a scenario where he would go for that. Because I, I don't think that they can look at the market and they can say, the grass is definitely greener um, if we get out of here. Now, Wilson's made a lot of money in his career. You know, maybe you would be that desperate to leave, um, you know, to where essentially you could do a buyout. You know, I mean, you might be able to do something like that if you were, uh, you know, if you were Denver. Um, you know, a buyout, um, that would be something where you would probably have to go in there and pay him something this year. Um, whatever that would be. Um, I don't know. How much of a buyout would you want to do? Um Twenty million, maybe. Basically, split it. Let's see. So, if he did a buyout on it, let's put this as option two. Let me get rid of this. So if we did that, his cap would jump up by $4 million this year. Next year, you would put in a base salary of 121. That would be a dummy salary. 
all right? And you would have a um, that same $200 million I mentioned before um, in 2028. You'd have that in there as just a, you know, trying to get somebody to, to take that. So you'd lose $4 million this year. But what you would do in this scenario, yeah, this might be somewhat interesting. Um, as a June 1, and I'm going to make sure, I don't know if my auto calculations are working right here, so let me just redo them. So as a June 1, you would carry them on the cap at 19.2 million. That number would then fall to 18 million um, for the year. Then the next year, you would have to account for 44 million. That would actually be kind of interesting. Again, I don't know if that's something he would go for, um, but that would be kind of interesting if you said, okay, look, we'll get rid of the offset. We'll just pay you $20 million this year, an extra 20 over what we've already got. <clears throat> but we want this to be a contract that we can June 1 next year. And, you know, basically you would be taking, um, you know, the 22 million and the 44. So you'd end up with about 66 million, I guess you'd be paying dead total, um, you know, over two years. And you know, that's not too bad. You know that that's better. You're saving yourself um, 19 million or so. I think that's what I, I cut his stuff by 19. Um, you know that that'd be an interesting scenario if they would be willing to do that. You know, take 20 now, give up your other 19 in guarantees, and that makes you free and clear to negotiate with another team. So the other team's not like, well, you're making 40 from you know the Broncos, so we're not going to pay you anything. Um, <clears throat> you know, you might be able to go, and if you got that Garoppolo deal, you know, or if you get the Geno Smith deal, um, you know, you you would make out better because you've got thirty nine million right now that would be coming to you under your current contract. If you got them to pay you twenty, then you got another team to pay you twenty five. You know, you'd be at forty five. Um, I think that'd be interesting. That that would probably take a lot of convincing, um, you know, to do something like that. And that's probably something that would have to be done at the end of the year. And I think you'd have to, to bench him before that. Um, you know, unless, unless you had this discussion beforehand, like, let him finish the season as a starter. You pay us this money now and we'll modify the contract to this way. You know, that's a, that, that would be kind of interesting. Um, you know, as a way to do it. I'm not saying they would do it, uh, but it just might be interesting. Um, you know, it's just a, a possibility. Now, the, the other thing, you know, where people talk about like, you know, trades, like in baseball, you see trades sometimes, like a bad contract for a bad contract. Um, it's hard to do in the NFL. I do think it'd be intriguing if Cleveland called up and said, we'll take Wilson you take Watson. You know, Watson is a longer-term headache because that salary is already fully guaranteed. You know, the Wilson stuff, especially if you modified it, that might be more of a short-term pain kind of thing. Um, 
you know, where you put him on the team is try and plug in where you got a, a terrific defense. Hope he's healthy and can play. Um, whereas you don't have to deal with Watson and whatever whatever the stuff is that goes on there and the stigma that comes with it. I'm not saying Denver would want him. Um, it's the only contract in the league that would be equivalent as a problem for a problem, um, even though they're very different. But, you know, the, the Wilson contract, when we, we talk about it being terrible, again, yeah, it's bad. And in hindsight, you know, all that stuff is, is bad. You know, they, they waited on doing the extension. That price probably drove up that way, um, you know, because of the delay that was in there and everything else. But, um, you know, the, the it, it is only next year that's guaranteed on it. So it, it's not like something that has implications two, three years down the line, which is what Watson's has, or, you know, what a, what a contract might have been like that would have been signed this year uh, with a player who was really bad. So, you know, that there's, that there's degrees of how bad a deal is. And, you know, th- this one's not great, um, but it's not as, it's not as bad as that. So that's why I just said, like, that might be a deal that someone would look at and say, I know you could do something like that. You know, I I don't think Arizona would be interested. Now, Wilson does have a no trade clause. I'm just assuming that he would waive it to, to get out from whatever this is. Cause it's really, it's really not a good situation for either of them, either side. Um, (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. But, uh, you know, I I think there's options that they have here, but, don't just look at a chart and say 85 million bucks, he can't go anywhere. You know, 85 dead, he can't go anywhere. There are ways to, to manipulate those numbers, um, different ways to account for it to, you know, where you clearly can release him and deal with it on your cap. Um, but th- there clearly is a middle ground that I think he can come to an agreement with Denver on, um, you know, to just where you just have the realism of it. Like, okay, the max you're going to earn is $39 million. That's the maximum possible amount of money that you can earn next year is $39 million. And, you know, you can earn that money sitting on the bench. You can, you know, the rest of this year. And then you can see what's out there and play on a contract that's worth nothing and, you know, have another team, you know, try to deal with whatever with you. Or, you know, we can try to come up with some ways to, you know, keep you here for two years or at least just keep you here for the the rest of this year, Um, you know, playing and then just letting letting things go. So I think this is one, and I I don't know how this will be because I I know through the years – you know, Wilson's represented more baseball side kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's always been some weirdness, I think, of things that get thrown out there um, with contract expectations and everything else. Um, but I, I, you know, and that that's not probably having that relationship as much as other agents do throughout the league, you know, that represent like tons and tons and tons of players. And, you know, that makes it easier sometimes to manipulate stuff, um, you know, to work with them on that. But I, I think there's definitely a, 
um, a path here that the two sides can kind of work together and come up with some ways to, to kind of make this reasonable to both to where he can probably have a better end to his career and the Broncos can gain some flexibility and just kind of move on to, you know, the next phase of what they want to do. And, you know, even if he was to stick around for two years, three years or whatever, and you brought these numbers down to market, um, you know, like a Garoppolo contract. I think if you do that, I think a lot of the negativity disappears. Um, you know, the numbers, the, the salaries and contracts, um, they really increase the expectation level for players. And when players disappoint and they have a high annual value on their contract, and you see cap numbers sometimes that are pretty outrageous, they become like the target of all the criticism. Uh, when you bring those numbers down, that does begin to vanish. You know, it, it kind of moves away. Um, you know, the player still obviously is a problem if he can't play very well, but, you know, it doesn't become like the, uh, you know, the, the, the main talking point all the time, um, you know, when dealing with a player. All right, let me take a look here at questions. Let me go to the emails first. And let's see what we have here. Okay, so Mike has a question here. Jalen Hurts has seven void years. Three of the seven void years have no cap assigned. What is the purpose of the additional three years? Hertz has a max of four seasons. Uh, the cap can be assigned to. All right, let me pull up Jalen Hertz's deal. There's Jalen Hertz on here. Right, let's pull up his contract. Okay. All right, so what he's talking about here is that. Um, he has options throughout his contract and you know you can only prorate up to five years so why do we have additional void years when there's nothing in in the years of this contract um you know that, that you could push into these additional years and the reason for these additional years really has to do with um salary cap stuff so there's certain rules. So number one, this goes beyond the, the scope of the current CBA. Um, so even though these these years all say void, they actually do carry salaries in there. And the salaries have to fit with certain rules. And the salaries need to be in place um, <clears throat> if you extend him uh, at some point in time, the way that these rules work uh, with these renegotiations, um, basically you, you can't increase the salary that you're going to pay to a player. Um, you know, if, if it's a year after the most recent renegotiation and sometimes for the purposes of that, they'll, they'll consider exercising an option as a renegotiation. Um, not a hundred percent certain on that. Uh, it used to be that way, not a hundred percent certain on that anymore, but, uh, you know, you want to have these years here. So basically at any point in time, they can go into the contract in 2027, 2028, whatever year it might be. 
um, that they can go into that that contract and they can say, okay, we're going to extend the term of your contract and we want to extend it to, say, 2035. By having these years here with these, these inflated salaries and stuff, um, that gives them the option to be able to do those kind of things within the um, within the current framework of the rules that govern contract extensions um, in the way that you can kind of manipulate the numbers uh, with that. The other thing is your options that you, you pick up actually have to have like something attached to them, right? So, you know, the, the Eagles have an option in say 2027 and that's probably to pick up the 2034 league year on the contract you say well okay that's silly why not just pick up 2032 um you know you've got all these options and you're picking up something the reason is that the eagles might at some point in time too they might decide they don't want to exercise the option like they don't need that salary cap flexibility that year um they don't need to exercise it well if you don't exercise an option uh, let's say the option was for 2030 and we can see the Eagles have, you know, $29.8 million sitting there in 2030, um, you know, 19.8 in 2031 or whatever year that's for. I'm not, I'm not even certain which year, um, you know, that they're, they're attributed to. All this money then would accelerate onto your current cap. Um, so if you didn't exercise the option, um, cap in those years that you're, you're now opting out of, um, you're declining, that stuff would accelerate back onto your current cap. So you don't want to necessarily do that too. So it, it's just little kind of salary cap rules. Um, and you, you're just trying to, again, give yourself the most flexibility for um, extending a contract or doing whatever, um, you know, with that deal to, to make it work for you. All right, Cameron has a question here. Let's see. In the 2023 NFL draft, we watched the Bears first uh, sell the first overall pick on additional draft capital and a proven wide receiver. Instead of doubling down and finding a long-term answer quarterback, seems like front offices are afraid to bring in multiple first-round quarterbacks if the guy from the previous year is still on his rookie deal. Do you think this type of approach is the biggest miscalculation? Um, yeah, I do. I, I think that it's, it's obviously the case. I think that um, we live in a in a world where for whatever reason the general managers have not moved past the fact that the money in the contracts now um, allows you to have multiple quarterbacks as first round picks in the past it didn't now you you the the way the contracts were structured um, one of the players at least, if he got playing time, was going to make a ridiculous amount of money. And the second player was going to make a pretty good amount of money too and would throw an absolute fit if he didn't play because that player wouldn't be able to unlock the money. So let's just say, for example, um, you know, the Bears had, uh, you know, years ago, like a, uh, you know, like a, a really good young player possibly under contract, um, you know, in the old system. You know, let, let's say that uh, they drafted Carson Palmer and then the next year they were pretty bad and they said, oh, well, you know, we want to draft Eli Manning too." Eli Manning's agent would say he will never, ever, 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 ever play for the Chicago Bears. 
Okay, well, then we'll draft Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers' agent would say the exact same thing. Why? Because if they don't get that opportunity to play, they wouldn't unlock the money in their contract. Um, you know, it would never come out. Now, all the contracts are the same. Um, you know, so you're just looking for your opportunity to play. And, you know, while you wouldn't be happy about it, you know, you know you're going to have an open competition. And the thing is, once a player hits, you're going to get traded. And you're going to have an opportunity with another team, um, you know, to go out there and do well. So I think that's a big whiff by all these teams. It's cheap. There's no reason to, to not have it. Every team needs a backup. It's a still, it's cheap even for a backup, you know, if the player actually is good. It, it's a reasonable cost for a backup. And if the quarterback doesn't have the mental makeup to deal with competition from another young player on the team, they don't have the makeup necessary to win a championship for you either. So... You know, to, to think that, um, you know, player development is going to be stunted, uh, you know, that they're, they're going to be hurt by um, the pressure that comes from a competition. I mean, it's just, it, it's nonsense. <clears throat> yeah, it's true. We, there's not enough reps to go around in the preseason and everything else anymore. But you know what? You, you work with these guys. You know, you've got all off season to, to learn and work with them and everything else. And yeah, it, it's a massive mistake by teams to continue to chase these young quarterbacks for two, three, four years and then say, OK, now we've got to make a switch when you had ample possibilities. You know, how could you be the Jets with Christian Hackenberg on your roster and bypass on a quarterback in the next draft because you're hopeful he'll play? You know, it doesn't make any sense. And you would think that people would look at Arizona and what they did. And I, I know that Kyler Murray right now is looked at maybe as a, not a positive. But, you know, he got that coach and that general manager a couple of years. Got them more money. An exciting young player. You know, and their other option would have been to sit with Josh Rosen. Like, how bad would that have been? So, you know, you think that that would be an example people look at, but for some reason they don't. Uh, let's see. Emin? 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 I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right here. Uh, let's see. Patriots fan. Oh, boo. Uh, <laughs> that's right, but uh, it also says he likes the podcast, so that's very good. Thank you. Um, interested by your assertion that the Bears should think about taking two quarterbacks. Oh, same kind of topic, I guess. Uh, two QBs from picks one and two in the hypothetical they have at the season's end. Um, isn't there an opportunity cost related to not picking a wide receiver or offensive tackle that would make it uh, more likely for both uh, quarterbacks to fail for lack of help? Um, seems like it put both in a bad situation when in contrast you could put one in a position to do well with premier talent besides them. Um, so, you know, you, you can argue that, you know, you, you mentioned here uh, Bradford, Darnold, David Carr is not having... Um, you know, good supporting cast around him. So there, there's a couple of things here. Number one, usually the quarterback elevates the players. Um, and, I, and I know I've talked about Joe Burrow before and kind of say that I think Joe Burrow kind of fits a little bit more in that category where having those players, I think, has increased his 
Um, his stock, I'm not sure if he would be there as much without some of those guys around him. Uh, but I don't think he'd be bad by any stretch. Um, you have an ability to make teams, you know, passable around you. So, yeah, the Bears are a bad football team, right? The Bears had $100 million in cap room to use last year. They have $100 million next year to use in cap room. Now, free agency sucks compared to what it used to be. That, that's that's true. Um, but you can still find players. And when you're a really bad team, even just getting incremental gains is going to help you out. Um, you know, going out there and finding a professional wide receiver, going out there and finding a professional left tackle. doesn't have to be the greatest left tackle in the world doesn't have to be the greatest wide receiver in the world. You know, he doesn't have to be Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, but the other thing is, when you go to all these other positions, even though you do have the ability to draft a stud, <clears throat> I know Houston would be an example of this um, from this year now, that different positions, obviously, but, uh, you know, where you got two high picks. Um, there's no guarantee that that player, just because he's a stud, works out. Right, the, the the draft is littered with busts. The the success rate on your your top ten is you know probably about fifty percent, a fifty five. So, you know it, it's there, there's not that kind of chance. You know the, the odds aren't in your favor. Let's put it this way: if you select quarterback wide receiver, the odds are probably not in your favor that the quarterback is good and the wide receiver is good. Um, the odds probably work against you for that. So while it looks great and, you know, people will say it all the time when they, you know, you get these drafts and you say, oh, you know, that, that's done this, 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 um, you know, a bad player is just a bad player sometimes. You know, Garrett Wilson's a terrific rookie. You know, that, that didn't salvage Zach Wilson last year. You know, the, the, the players you bring in, yeah, you, you don't want to have a team of junk. You know, that, that's for certain. Um, but, you know, it, it's not like, it's not a lock at those other positions either. You know, now, offensive linemen usually do a little bit better. They're a little bit easier, I think, a lot of times to project out if you want to do something like that. Um, you know, but th there's reasonable talent that you can find, um, you know, certainly interior line through free agency. Uh, you know, a tackle, yeah, that's a little bit harder. Um, you know, but... Again, usually it's not like your jailbreak stuff that's going to happen, um, you know, to where your guys are that bad, you know, to where it's just like they're teeing off, you know, the way they did on car years ago. Um, yeah, it was a different league, different time. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think my argument on it is if I have a 50% chance of getting it right on the quarterback, um, you know, I'd rather up my chances of getting it right on the quarterback by having two two shots at it um, than I would by hoping that, you know, the quarterback and the wide receiver hits or the quarterback and the left tackle hits. Uh, because if the quarterback doesn't hit, you know, those, those are wasted picks. And if those players hit, but, you know, or if those players don't hit, it's like, well, you know, I didn't really gain anything anyway. You know, my, my focus was all on my quarterback at that point. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the way that I would look at that. Uh, second part of the question, what trade compensation would someone get for a top two quarterback that didn't play? 
guess I'm not convinced by your assertion that they received the value of the second overall pick. I think the player would depreciate by not pay, uh, playing. You might get a first-round pick, but probably a later one, losing significant value in the process. Um, so, yeah, you that 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 part's true. You're, you're not going to get the... If you pick the player number two, you're probably not going to get the number two pick back for that player. Um, I, I think if the player sits... You know, I, I think you're right. You would get a one. It just depends on where that one would be. I don't think it has to be a late one. Um, I think if it was a late number one, I, I think you'd be able to get more than that. You know, probably like a one and a three or something. Um, you know, now we're talking about a player that doesn't play. You know, if a player plays and he sucks, that's different. You know, Josh Rosen got a two, I think it was. And you probably couldn't have a worse rookie year than him. Um, so that that would probably be the worst that you could get for a player. Um but yeah, you, you might lose something in the process. Depends on how good of a sales job that you can do. You know, one of the things that makes those trades very beneficial is you've prepaid the contract, right? You've paid the signing bonus on the contract. So if you still believe strongly in that player, that player is very talented, um, you know, you, you should be able to um, recover something. So, you know, some of it might depend on the drafts too. Um, you know, is it a good year for quarterbacks, bad year for quarterbacks? You know, if, if you have a year where um, it's a bad year for quarterbacks in the draft and you have quarterback needy teams, those teams might be willing to move the, those higher picks, um, you know, a higher pick to, to bring the player in. Um, I, I think that's I think that's how it would work. And, you know, you would you would gauge the, the you'd also be able to gauge the market probably of, of those players. Um, you know, guy who's a second overall pick, still second overall pick. Um, you know, if somebody was trading into that spot for a chance to bring in that player from day one, um, you know, let's say they gave up two number ones to, to get that player in. I can't see why you still wouldn't do it because, you know, if you can create a market for it, um, you just say, well, we're going to keep the player here. You know, we, we want him as a backup. And th that's the other thing is there's, there's really nothing wrong with having him as a backup. He's a good player, you know, have him as a backup. And then, uh, you know, you can see, and yeah, that, that's, is a great use, you know, to, to have a backup, you know, with a number two overall pick. Um, probably not, not the greatest of use, but you know, if he had to play and again, the odds, again, the odds are against both guys being good, but, um, let's say he did have to come in because of injury. Um, I would rather have that as my backup than, you know, the, the Colt McCoys and the Brian Hoyers of the world where, you know, there's, there's a very, very, very low ceiling, um, you know, to what you can get out of those players. At least you've got potential for, <coughs> you know, some kind of higher end play maybe um, out of those players. But, you know, th those are fair arguments that you can say that, you know, the, the number two pick is, you know, worth more, um, you know, that we're wasting a two and all we're going to get back in return is maybe a 15, um, you know, and that we're, we're not going to get more than that. But, you know, I, I always look at it too, like teams get desperate for players, um, you know, Denver with Russell Wilson, you know, that's a good example. Um, you know, obviously very different situations with, uh, you know, what you would expect with the, you know, who those players are, um, you know, versus a, a rookie with no playing time. But, you know, teams get desperate and, you know, they make big moves, um, you know, for players who, 
you know, sometimes haven't really been that great. Uh, but sometimes, uh, you know, you do need some playing time to be in there. And, you know, the other thing, too, is you can showcase players in the preseason. Um, you know, Matt Schaub, I, I forget. I'm sure they recovered probably whatever they, they spent on him. Um, you know, a lot of that came from being a, a preseason player. Um, you know, that, that helped him out a little bit. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo was, what, four games, and they, they recovered their number two, I guess, for him. Um, you know, so I, I think there's ways to do that kind of stuff. Okay, let's uh, move on to the Twitter side of it. Let's see what we got here. Okay, only a couple here, which is good. All right, New York Rangers news. Will the Jets truly stick with Zach Wilson all season? Um, I don't think they have any other options right now. Uh, I, I think their options um, ran out a while ago on that. So, you know, it, it, they were hopeful with the the game against the Chiefs. Um, you know, it was the best game he had had in some time. And, uh, you know, he actually played pretty well. Um, you know, Denver, it was kind of back to, you know, he wasn't atrocious. Um, you know, and the, the turnover really wasn't his fault. Um, but, you know, just some dumb stuff. You know, you blow a field goal and, um, you know, field goal attempt with just stupid decisions and, you know, some passes that were all over the place. And you can see again... Um, the Jets fall into this trap with him <coughs> where I think they, uh, I think they look at Wilson as like, okay, we'll give him an opportunity. And the minute he does something that we don't like, you know, like a, a, maybe it's a dropped interception or just a really bad read. Um, we just, will move off him and we're only going to let him throw if it's third and long. And... I think that's what you saw a lot in that game, you know, especially in the red zone. It was like, don't let the kid make a mistake. Don't let the kid make a mistake. Don't let the kid make a mistake. And it's like, you, you just, you're never going to score that way. Um, you know, you, you just, you're not. And, you know, that that's what they did now to their credit. They won that game. But I think people came out of that game again with kind of the, eh, whatever, with Wilson. Um but, yeah, I, I don't think they have any other real options right now to, to do something else. Jacob, uh, what kind of contract would you give Brian Burns? Um, I don't know. They should have traded him last year. Um, you know, he's probably going to end up in this, you know, $25 million a year range. Um, yeah, that, that's probably where he'll end up being. Uh, Brian, want a free ticket to the Jets game tomorrow? No, definitely don't want to be outside all day tomorrow. It's outside enough today. Just barely getting by with that. But thank you. Uh, Thresh, not sure about the money payment dates, but odds. Um, JT gets traded, cut next year. Uh, the Colts didn't want to pay him a month ago. Those feelings probably didn't just go away. Seems like it'd be a situation where they pay him $20 million for a dozen games. I, I still can't understand that contract at all. Um you know, you have the numbers up here. You know, I can't imagine they would cut him next year, but I, I do think you're right. You know, that it's just like a, a waste of a, a contract here. Um, so, you know, I, I guess there, there's a possibility they could still trade him next year. Um, you know, that'd be about, uh, looks like 7.7 .7 million dead. 
um, you know, if they were to do that. So, and maybe you do something along those lines. Um, yeah, it's just such a stupid deal. It's just such a, just a terrible job. They blame it on the owner. I don't blame it on the GM. Um, you know, and then you see Moss go off in that game. It's like, yeah, we really needed the, the more expensive guy, right? All right, anyway. Uh, Jake, uh, where does coaching give you an edge, and what do you look for to discern the competent versus non-competent? So, um, you know, if you want to see the incompetent coaching, I, I think, number one, it, you, you start looking for things that you can control that you're screwing up. Um, you know, 12 men on the field, uh, constant kind of like, procedural penalties, um, awful clock management, misuse of timeouts and challenges, um, personnel mishaps not being prepared for fourth down decisions and wasting timeouts in those spots. Um, I think those are kind of things that you look at, you know, like the end of game situation with Zach Wilson this past week, I'm sorry, end of half, like that very clearly is a poor coaching job as well. You know, that that's a that's a not ready for prime time coaching job. That that's what that was. Um, you know, where where you look at stuff like that. I mean, where you're talking about completely incompetent, I think that's really where you start to look at, you know, players revolting. Um, you know, like what you saw in Detroit um, you know, a couple of years ago where you know, you, you can't even manage your own group of players. Like, you, you, you're not even getting anything out of those players. Um, you know, I think Adam Gase fit into that category at the end in New York. Um, you know, I, I think those are kind of things that you would, you know, you would look at a little bit. Uh, but I, I think just, to, just as a baseline, um, you know, it's, it's those little things like that, that you're just not prepared for it. And... You know, it, it's like the the games get to the point where it, it's like you're in a panic mode um, trying to finish out a game. And, you know, then you have other teams that are just very cool, calm, and collected. And it's like, I've eh, been here, done that. And there's never a worry about it. And I, I think that's just like a, a, a big thing. But, um, you know, coaching in general, I think, gives you an edge. You know, it, it's... Your decision making, the way you're you're planning your in-game strategies, um, you know, the way that you're you're approaching the game as a, um, you know, sprint versus marathon kind of stuff, um, you know, that you're you're looking at these things as you know every possession is important, every possession is a little battle versus some of the other coaches that are much more still in this like you're playing line, you're playing, you know, field position battles, and it's like. That doesn't work against 80% of the teams in the league anymore. Um, you know, but I, I think that's a that's all a big, big thing. And, you know, obviously one of the things you look for too is, you know, the success of teams. Um, you know, o- over time, you know, the, the couple of coaches, you know, like Tomlin's a great coach. Nobody ever mentions about him being a great coach. And yeah, he does some stuff that, doesn't fit in the, the mold of some of the other guys, but year in and year out, you know, he very clearly has those, those teams ready to play and they do better than they probably should. Um, 
you know, the Ravens. Ravens just need to find somebody to scout wide receivers. This has been going on for like 20 years with them. I don't know what they do. Um, good organization. They have no clue with the receivers. Never have, you know, $15 million to Odell Beckham. Let me see. All right. Uh, Dave, with Dak, uh, Micah and CeeDee Lamb will do for extensions after the year following Diggs and Steel. What type of flexibility does that leave Dallas after all these deals are done? Do they have too much talent to justify a move off of Dak to reset and go cheap at quarterback? Dak's contract is hard to move off of. Um, you know, I said everybody, you know, there's always ways to do stuff. His his contract is probably at the point almost of no return. Um, let me pull up Prescott's deal. So Dak's contract for next year is the last year of his contract. He's got a $59.5 million cap hit. Um, at the moment, his contract is set to void in 2025. <coughs> when his contract voids, it'll leave them with a $36.4 million cap hit. Um, but it's going to be more than that because they're not going to be able to handle probably a $59 million cap charge next year. Hmm. So, you know, they're, they're probably going to have to defer some of that cost to the following year. I don't know by how much. Uh, but you know that 36 million might grow to 46 million, 50 million, and you don't have another option on your team because Dallas has done a very poor job in planning for any kind of possibility of you know ever having to replace Dak. I think. Um, <clears throat> so I would look at it as almost like they're stuck with each other. Um, that it's the way that it was structured. It's just the way that it's going to be. Um, they're, they're not in a situation where they have another player they can turn to. They don't have a younger guy they could bring in. They don't have a younger guy. They're going to be in a position to draft. Um, you know, so I, I think this is one of those where you probably do a three year extension with him, and, you know, plan those exit strategies for when he's 33, 34, 35 years old. Um, you know, and see if you can get any further with him. And obviously, you know, it's coming off of the catastrophe kind of week. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I don't think it's that you, you have too much talent to justify the move off him. Um, I think it's, you're just not in a position draft wise to be able to bring somebody in. Um, I think that's really more the issue. Like, you need to be in a position to find another quarterback. You know, like, bringing in, for example, um, you know, Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, first of all, he'd have $62 million dead next year. And that would be pretty tough to handle, um, you know, with Cousins on top of that. Like, Prescott's younger than Cousins. There's really not a lot of difference, I think, with the, your ceiling with those players. Um so it's like, who, who would you bring in? Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston? I mean, you're not going to be better, um, you know, with those players. And you're still probably not going to be bad enough to be in a spot to draft a quarterback. So, you know, if Dallas was really, if Dallas was going to move on from Dak, um, the way they would have to do it would probably be to not touch his contract next year. Uh, let things just play out as they will with the cap 
And if there's a quarterback that they like this year, you have to be aggressive. Probably trade your number one from 2025 um, into 2024 to bring a player in. This would be similar to, you know, what the Chiefs did with Mahomes, like how they got him. Um, you know, it would have to be that kind of move to where you would have somebody sit behind Dak the next year and say, you know, you've always wanted to go to free agency. We're going to give you that chance to go to free agency. And, you know, you have the young guy waiting in the wings to kind of take over. Um, so, you know, I, I could see that maybe being a way they can do it. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't see that. That doesn't seem like a Dallas move to me. Um, so I, I just think it's hard for them to do it because it, it's... And it, again, it's not the too much talent thing because I think if you got a player that has more upside, while you might sacrifice 2024, you your guys are still probably young enough for 2025 to be meaningful. Um, and if the young player hits, he's going to give you more than Prescott will at this stage of his career. Um, but I just don't see that as a Dallas move. And and the, the DAC contract is just, it's not really structured great. Keynes, Miles Sanders has been a total failure so far for Carolina. Should they just cut him next season or restructure uh, to reduce the damages? See, been that bad? Um, let me see. What's the Panthers cap next year? It can't be too bad. 63, 50 million effective. Um, let's look at Miles Sanders. It is a deal that didn't make sense. Um, you know, as, you know, it's just. You know, they're not in that position. Do they really need him? No. So he has six guaranteed. He's got a 7-7 seven, seven cap hit. So they don't need to restructure it. I mean, this is basically one of those where you're just going to have somebody on the team and you know, he's probably not going to play a bunch. Um, you know, you, you're probably going to have him there. Um, I mean, you could bite the bullet and just cut out right. But I think more likely um, this would be a scenario where, you know, you just go in there and just eat it. And, you know, you hear a lot of articles about how, you know, he was nicked up and you know, he's in the best shape of his career, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you get the same results. But uh, I, I think the, the numbers are low enough to where you just deal with it next year and then you move on the year after that. Uh, Robert, can the Jets trade the first-round pick given that it's not possible for Rodgers to meet the condition, or is it tied up? So I think the pick itself is tied up. I thought they could include it as a um, conditional pick, but I'm not sure. Uh, Nick brought up a good example of uh, the NFL not allowing you to do that with the compensatories. So uh, this, I could see a way that this would be the same thing. Um, though, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like you can structure something... Um, in a way, excuse me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you should be able to structure something in a way to where, you know, it, it's like a big what if, you know, kind of book. You know, the, the old books if you were a kid and, you know, you turn to page three if you choose this, turn to page five if you do this. Like, you know, you, you're giving a baseline 2024 or 2025 first round pick, but it can be the 2024 first round pick if the Jets have one. Like, I, I don't see why that would be against you know, some kind of rules. Um, 
you know, I'm pretty sure they, they've done trades in the past where, you know, you get, say, a second-round pick, and then the team gets a conditional for a first-round pick the next year. Now, the trade's not, the thing's not locked up, but it, it's one of those to where, okay, we gave you the second, now you qualify for the first, so you're going to give us a second back. Um, you know, and they, they allow that, so or at least they used to. So I, I would think there's a way that you can structure a trade to do that. Um, but I don't think that you can just say, like, it's for the 2024 number one. I think it would have to be a conditional. All right, I think this is the last question. Gary, should Denver sit Wilson to avoid the injury guarantee? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I I, I think the, the main thing is, you know, again, um, you know, you're talking to him to get him to waive that guarantee to, you know, help his own situation out and help him out. Um, you know, and, uh, what should I read here? Something on Jonathan Taylor, I guess. I have no idea. Anyway, um, you know, the, the, the thing, um, oh, wait, it's an ESPN article. Let's see what ESPN had to say. Yeah, I'll read this later. I didn't really even see this one. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The Colts are stupid. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, there was I at with these conditionals or whatever. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that they they could probably work something out there um, if they needed to. But I, I don't I don't think there's anything the Jets are going to trade for. Um, all right. So I think that does it for me. Hopefully, uh, this didn't sound too terrible. Um, I was able to keep from just hacking up the whole time. So that's good. Uh, so hopefully I'll be back next week. Um, if you have any other follow-up questions to, uh, Wilson. Oh, that, that's what it was. That someone was asking about the injury guarantee. Um, you know, uh, you have any follow-up questions, feel free to ask. I'll try to answer them on Twitter or, uh, in the comments on YouTube or something like that or email. Um, you know, if you need to, uh, so otherwise everybody have a great week. Hopefully the jets will uh, pull off an upset tomorrow. Sorry. Sorry, Eagles fans. Um, you know, but, uh, see how that goes. So everybody have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.